afternoon, everyone. Come Aleichem. I have very good news this afternoon. I've come here today to tell you that I've saved you a lot of time parking. Because people get very nervous before Hanukkah that they're going to have to be parking in front of stores to get Hanukkah presents. So I brought, I brought the presents to you. This book is hot off the press. Rabbi Meir Balanes and the Eternal Children of Hashem. Rabbi Meir's Tefillah connected to Hanukkah. Lekhazi Meir Anini. You don't have to go anywhere. You come to the Shir and you pick up your Hanukkah presents at the same time. So that's, they're available in the back. Also uh, published by Art Scroll. The Light and the Splendor, Uncovering Hanukkah and New Light. They're both available in the back after the year. I want to welcome everyone today, especially my dear mother. And, and um, yeah. Thank you. That's right. If that's my mother, that makes me her son. Excellent. Very good. Okay. Let's begin with the following question. We all know one of the most well-known questions on Hanukkah is if they found enough oil to last for one day, and the oil lasted for eight days, so only seven of the days are miraculous, Hanukkah should be seven days. That is probably the most well-known question in Judaism, the base Yosef. But I'm here today to ask a totally different question. Not only should Hanukkah not be seven days, I don't even think it should be eight days. In my opinion, Hanukkah should be nine days. And let me explain. That's the question we're going to start with today. Why is Hanukkah not nine days? We know there's a rule in Halakha that whenever we don't know how to establish a Yom Tif, out of doubt, we make an extra day. It's called Sveik of the Yom. So instead of seven days of Pesach, we have eight days in Chasa'aretz. Instead of eight days of Sukkot, we have nine days in Chasaras. Instead of one day of Shavuos, we have two days. So why do we have eight days of Hanukkah? We should have nine days of Hanukkah, Sveika the Yoyma. You ever hear that question? Everyone's going to come. You know, when I was a kid, they had a Sefer with a hundred answers why Hanukkah is not seven days to the base Yosef. More recently, they came out with a Sefer, 500 answers to the question of the base Yosef. So at your Hanukkah party, everyone's going to be asking, why is Hanukkah not seven days? You're going to have the real scoop. I'm not available right now. Yeah, I'm... You're going to have the real scoop. Why is Hanukkah not nine days? So you say, what do you mean? It's only Dravana. You don't make Sveika the Yaima on a Dravana. We don't make a Sveika the Yaima on Purim. So why would we make a Sveika the Yaima on Hanukkah? Actually, it's not so simple. Because one of the Rishonim... Actually, Yom Kippur, the Rehazakin, fasted two days on Yom Kippur. The problem is, for the rest of us, we may not make it to Sukkot if we fast two days on Yom Kippur. But technically, there should be Sveikdiyam on Yom Kippur as well. And even Purim would have been an extra day, there would be a Sveikdiyam on Purim, had it not been for a Pasuk of Velo Ya'avar. You're now to go past the 14th or the 15th. But on Hanukkah, there is no such Pasuk. And therefore, the question remains, why are there not nine days of Hanukkah? That's the question that we are going to try to address today. In honor of the new book, right, did I mention there's a new safer? Yeah, I might have mentioned In honor of the new book about Rameer Balanes, I want to tell you a story about Rebbe Meir. 
Rabbi Meir had a sister-in-law. And this was the t- in the time of the Roman occupation. Rabbi Meir was married, of course, to Beria. Beria was the daughter of Rabbi Hanina ben Tradyan. Actually, there's a remez to Rabbi Hanina ben Tradyan in last, last week's parsha. Vihine Rachavas Yadayim. Rachavas is Rashi Tevois. Rabbi Hanina ben Tradyan. Rabbi Meir's sister-in-law was captured by the Romans and she was put in a brothel. And Rav Meir was charged with the task of rescuing her, his sister-in-law from a base Zoynais. So he goes in, not a good place to be caught, and he tries to see whether she remains righteous or not. So he speaks to her and she says, I'm not available. And he, she pushes him off. So he sees that she remained righteous. So he goes to the jail warden and he says, I need to get this lady out. Here's a few bucks. Do me a favor. I need to rescue my sister-in-law. He said, I can't do it. I'm endangering my life. Rameir said, not a problem. If you have any issues, just say the following prayer. Three words. Elokah, Demeir, Adeni. Everyone's familiar. You know, if you lost your toothbrush, you lost your keys, you lost your mind, you put money in the pushka, you say, Elokah, Demeir, Adeni, and... you'd hopefully find two out of the last three things I mentioned. But here we see that actually the tefillah l'kadamer aneni is for any Sara. It's a very effective tefillah. In fact, the Kloisenberger Rebbe would advise people uh, in the Holocaust that as a skula for protection, they should say certain phrases. One is amasloi v'askarnavoi, the mother of Avram Avinu. And also, l'kadamer aneni, and there are many reports that those Jews who said El Kadamaranini were in fact saved. And this comes from this Gemara. So the warden said, who says that the tefillah would be effective? So Rameir says, watch this. Rameir incites man eating dogs. He throws dirt at them. And the dogs rush Rameir. And Rameir says, the Pasuk El Kadamaranini, and the dogs drop dead. And the warden said, all right, I'll, I'll try to rescue her. So the warden lets Rameir take his sister-in-law and the Romans come and they try to execute the warden and every time they try to execute him, he says, and he's saved and they ask him, where'd you get this tefillah from? He said, I can't say. They figured out that it came from Rameir. Rameir was a wanted man and he runs away to Asia. That's the end of the story. Asia. Asia. You know, we have a lot of friends there. China, Russia, Iran, we have a lot of chaverim there. So, who runs Asia? Now? Today? Yeah, Rameir runs it. Yeah. Okay. But who runs it? You know, Bereshis Baral Akim, Bishul Yisrael Shanik Bereshis. Okay. The Marsha asks the following question What in the world is this tefillah? Elakad Meir Anini. The God of Meir answer me? Presumably, it's referring to Rameir himself. Rameir would say, my God should answer me. But the question is, we know there's a principle. The Rebbe does not associate his name with the righteous in their lifetime. So long as a person is alive, God does not associate his name with them. Hashem was only Elikei Avram after Avram passed away. In his lifetime, he was not Elikei Avram. While Yitzchak was alive, he was Pachad Yitzchak, not Elikei Yitzchak. Because so long as a person is alive... There's always a danger. They may leave the straight and the narrow. Even Yoichanan Kohen Gadah. 
one of the heroes of Hanukkah, who may have composed Al Hanisim. By the way, the Meimat Yov and Yochanan Kaigadol has 124 words, Gematria Yochanan, because it was written by Yochanan, or according to some, 125 words. Because in his humility, he wanted to compose a prayer, one more word than, than, than the numerical value of his name. According to many, after 80 years, he is the Yochanan who veered off the path. So a person can never trust themselves or anybody, really. So, question, how could Rameir say, Elokah, the mayor, Anini, God does not associate with any righteous person in their lifetime? Answers the Marsha, you ready for a Marsha? Says the Marsha, Elokah, the mayor, does not refer to Rabbi Meir. Elokah, the mayor, refers to God who illuminated the Jewish people in the times of Hanukkah. Ya'aneinu, he should answer us. Elokah, the mayor, the God who illuminated our lives in the times of Hanukkah, Aneinu, he should answer us. How interesting then, that this traditional tefillah, no matter what predicament the person finds themselves in, you could lose your wallet, your car keys, whatever it is, whatever situation a person may find themselves in, you say the tefillah, Elokah, the mayor, Aneinu, and you summon the miracle of Hanukkah, why are we always invoking Hanukkah? Why would we... There are many miracles that happened to Kali Yisrael throughout history. Peporim. We don't say Elokah, the Nitzel Yisrael, Peporim. Pesach, Sukkot. Why are we always invoking the miracle of Hanukkah? Furthermore, why was Rav Meir the one who always said the tefillah? Why not Rav Gamliel? Why not Rav Yeshua? Why not Rav Tarfan? What does Rav Meir specifically have to do with Hanukkah? I want to bring to your attention another interesting idea. Magen Avram writes that of all the Yom Toivim, one should emphasize the mitzvah of tzedakah on Hanukkah. In fact, if you take the word Hanukkah, anybody know the numerical value of Hanukkah is 89? If you akbash it, akbash, you know what akbash is? So an aleph is substituted with a tuf, a bez, with a shin, a gimel, with a resh. You atbash Hanukkah, you get 269. The gematria of soid tzedakah, the secret of charity. The secret of charity. Hanukkah is synonymous with the secret of charity. What exactly is the connection between Hanukkah and the secret of charity? Why is charity, why is tzedakah specifically connected with Hanukkah? Furthermore, Let's examine the Alanisim. We say, Kisha'amda Malchus Yavan Harasha Al Amcha. What are we? We're your nation. We're your people. They attack the people of Hashem. Al Amcha. But later on, when we talk about the miracle, we say, Achar Kane Bau Banecha. And then your children came back into the Hechal. Well, we got a promo. We got a promotion here. We started off, we're only Kisham Zamachasav and Al Amcha. And then later on, when we talk about the miracle, we say Al Amcha. Why do we all of a sudden become the children of Hashem in the story of Hanukkah? So let's cut to the chase. What exactly did the Yavanim decree against the Jewish people? 
what was what was the decree? What did they try to abolish? I know we've heard things, we saw things. There are actually only two authentic sources of what the Yavanim tried to abolish. The Medrash. Let's start with the Medrash. The Medrash says, the Medrash is talking about the four Goliaths, if you look at number eight, on the Pasuk in the beginning of Bereshus, V'ha'aretz ha'isa soihu, v'avoyhu, v'choyshech, al-pnei sahayim. By the way, did you know that on phones, they made a button <laughs> that you could silence it? It's a new invention. You silence the phone. Let's say somebody's giving a shear, right? Let's say you're taking 45 minutes out of your day to hear a shear, right? So you take your finger and you press the button. And then the phone doesn't ring in the middle of the shears. What? Yeah? Okay. <laughs> okay. So the Gemara says that you have the Ha'aretz Haisas Saihu. The land was astonishingly empty. That's Golas Babel. Baihu, that's Golas Madai. The Chayshech and darkness. Darkness is which which Golas? Says Gemara, uh, the Tivanim. Why is it called darkness? Shehechshicha Enehem Shal Yisrael B'Zerusayim. They darken the eyes of the Jewish people in their decrees. Why? Shal Yisrael They would say to the Jewish people, Kisvu Lachem Al Karen Hashar. Right on the horn of an axe. You have no shear in God. Okay? This is the decree that the Yavanim issued against the Jewish people, right on the horn of an ox. Now we'll have to see why on the horn of an ox. The ox simply was their basic mode of transportation. It's like a bumper sticker, right? Right on the back of your car. Pay close attention to those words. You have no shear. You have no share in God. However, if you look in Megillah's Tainus, Megillah's Tainus says there were three specific mitzvahs that the Yavanim were out to abolish. Chaydesh, Mila, and Shabbos. So, a few questions here. How do you reconcile the fact that the Medrash says they wanted to abolish the entirety of Judaism, that we have no share in Hashem, and yet the Megillah's Tainus says they were out against three specific mitzvahs. What was it? Was it Eimachem Chelek Elokei Yisrael? Or was it these three specific mitzvahs? Furthermore, furthermore, why did they, why did, what is thematic about Chodesh, Mila, and Shabbos that they specifically abolished Chodesh, Mila, and Shabbos? It's not like these are the three most important mitzvahs in the Torah. I mean, you would say maybe they should abolish Avodah Zarah, Gilei Arayah, Shvichas Damim, Asaras Hadibrois. Where do we ever see any commonality between Chaydesh, Mila, and Shabbos? So I want to share with you an amazing revelation of the Chida. You know, you ever hear the Chida? Rab Chaim Yosef David Azulai. When did he live? Anybody know? Five years ago? Ten years ago? A thousand years ago, about 250 years ago, he was a, a rabbi in Yerushalayim, in Hebron, and then ultimately in Italy, where he published uh, uh, all of his farim. The Chida has an amazing revelation. Says the Chida, you know where else in the history we find a commonality between Chodesh, Mila, and Shabbos? In Mitzrayim. There's a man by the name of Yosef. And Yosef comes down to Mitzrayim and he institutes three special mitzvahs. 
The Chimesh, that's Eretz Mitzrayim, Chodesh, Mila, Shabbos. Wow. Why did Yosef institute these three special Mitzrayim? Says the Chida, a very important principle. And the principle is, you know, let's ask ourselves an important question. What is our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch What are we to Hashem? What does Hashem consider us? So actually, this is subject of a great debate, a great machlekes. Rabbi Yehuda is of the opinion, and I personally would always like to use the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. You know, Rabbi Yehuda says our relationship with Hashem is conditional. What does that mean, it's conditional? Depends how we act. If we behave, we're the beloved children of Hashem. If we don't behave... We're just God's servants. So I would like to utilize that principle. Let's say you make the big mistake and you take your kids shopping, right? So my kids always behave, but I heard that some of your kids don't always behave when you take them shopping. So if they behave and somebody asks you, who are they? You say, they're my kids. And if they don't behave, you can say, I have no idea. Their father asked me to watch them for the day. I don't know who they are. They're my avadim. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda says our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is conditional. Comes Rabbi Meir, and Rabbi Meir utters the epic opinion, We are always the children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, no matter what. And the Gemara says Rabbi Meir invokes four psukim. One pasuk is, Even when we act foolish, we're Hashem's children. Banim loyeimun bam. Even if we don't believe in Hashem, we're Hashem's children. Even banim mashchisim. Even if we serve Abu Dazara, we're Hashem's children. And if you'll say maybe we're His children, but Hashem says we're bad children, no. B'nai keel chai. We're banim me'alia. We're always Hashem's dear beloved children. That's the sheet of Rameir. Now. What do we pass them like? That would be, that would be a subject of great interest. In general, in general, there's a rule: we never pass them like Rameir. The Gemara in Ervin says we never pass them like Rameir. You know why? Because nobody knows what he's talking about. <laughs> we can't understand him. He's so deep. He's so profound. The sages cannot plummet, plumb. The depth of his understanding. He could tell you why a sheretz, 49 reasons why a sheretz is kosher. 49 reasons why it's treif. Nobody understands the depth of Rameir. But the Rajba writes, there's one exception to the rule. That when it comes to this machlekes, we pass him like Rameir. And that is our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Why? Why is this the one exception? Because every other machlekes, it's relevant to us. So we can't understand Rameir. But this dispute is about how Hashem looks at us. And God certainly plums the depth of the wisdom Rameir. So when it comes to this issue, the halacha is like Rabbi Meir. By the way, there's another reason why the halacha is like Rameir. Because Rameir is substantiated by another great man. And his name is Rabbi Akiva. How so? Question. Are you allowed to give tzedakah? Interesting question, right? Are you, I'm asking, are you allowed to give tzedakah? Is it permitted 
or is it usher? Huh? I never heard that one before. Maybe I should try that sometime. Rabbi Yehuda says that you can only give tzedakah to Jews at a time that we're oisin ritzayinu shamakam when we're doing the will of God. Why? Sigmar tells us of a conversation that Tornis Rufus Harasha had with Rabbi Akiva. Tornis Rufus says, does God love the poor? So Akiva says, yeah, he loves them. So Tornis Rufus says, so why doesn't he give them food? Says Tornis Rufus, in my opinion, someone who gives tzedakah is a moirid b'malchas. Why? God decreed Pliny shouldn't have money. Pliny shouldn't have food. Pliny should suffer. And you're going and you're contravening the decree of the king? How dare you do that? The king wants him to be poor. Rabbi Kiva said, bad analogy. So Tornus Rufus says, then what? The king had a son. He wasn't happy with the son. He put the son in jail. He decreed no one should give food to the son. What would the king do to someone who's the benefactor of his son? The king would reward him handsomely. Says Rabbi Akiva, we're not avodim to Hashem, we are bonim to Hashem. So Rabbi Akiva substantiates the opinion of Rameir that we are always the beloved children of Hashem. Tzedakah, the ability to give tzedakah is dependent on the shita of Rameir that we're always children to Hashem. Now we understand why Rameir is always connected to tzedakah. Without Rameir, you wouldn't be allowed to give tzedakah. It would be prohibited to give tzedakah. How dare you contravene the decree of the Almighty? For a mayor's opinion is, no matter what we do, however we act, we're always Hashem's beloved children, so you're allowed to give tzedakah. Says the Chidah, there are three mitzvahs in the Torah that demonstrate that we're Hashem's beloved children. Number one, Rish Chaydash. Here it is. The Bezdin is interviewing a witness. In reality, they're lying. The witness may be lying. The Bezdin accepts the testimony. They say Rosh Chodesh is today. In the heavens, they say Rosh Chodesh is tomorrow. When is Rosh Chodesh? When is Pesach? When the Bezdin says, or when God sees the reality is? When the Bezdin says. Why would Hashem defer the reality to the Jewish people? The answer is because He loves us and we're His beloved children. And the concept of Rosh Chodesh demonstrates we are banim la makoim no matter what. Shabbos. Shabbos is the prized possession of Hashem. God rests on the Shabbos. Shabbos is the scepter of the king. You ever, you ever, you saw what they gave uh, King George by his coronation? The orb, the scepter, you saw what was going on over there? Charles, thank you. I'm talking about from my time, you know? Yeah? So, whoever picks up the scepter of the king is Chayv Misa, is Amarid Bamalchas. So, what right do we have to observe the Shabbos? The answer is the Gentiles are not allowed to observe the Shabbos. Goisha Shabbos, Chayv Misa. So, why are we allowed to observe the Shabbos? Because we're Hashem's beloved children. And the prince could pick up the scepter and the king will smile. He laughed. Ah, Zisakin. And finally, the Zayar says, Mila is a sign that we're Banim Lamakoim. Says the Chida, 
The Yavanim had competition with the Jewish people. What animal is Yavan compared to? The leopard. Remember this in Daniel's vision? Bavel? Yeah, you do. I never heard that before. I asked men, huh? Who's Daniel, right? So, you? Okay, good. Uh, they asked me to test you on that. Okay. So, Yavan is compared to a leopard. The meat of a leopard is Chachma. There Az. In Habay Shalomi. So Yavan thought they're, they're in competition with the Jewish people. They also have a claim to the Torah. Maybe they didn't like the fact that we edged them out, that we considered ourselves the beloved children of Hashem. We say to Yavan, you know, you may have Chachma, but you are not beloved Hashem. You, you may hear, maybe you'll hear in the news, or you'll read, people will say, after all, we're all the children of the Lord. It's rubbish. It's not true. We're not. Only mankind, mankind is created in the image of Hashem. But only the Jewish people are the children of Hashem. The Yavanim didn't like that. The Yavanim wanted to abolish the fact that we are the children of Hashem. So you know what they were mavatel? Chodesh, Mila, and Shabbos. And what they were getting at was Ein lanu chelek Yisrael. Let's analyze that very deeply. Because what in the world does it mean that we're the children of Hashem? How could we be children to Hashem? God has no physical characteristics. How can Hashem be our father? How can we be His children? So the Chidah's great-great-grandfather writes, we have a similar nature to Hashem. We have like a similar DNA in that the, the inclination of the Jew is to do what is right, to do mitzvahs, to do chesed. So we share a common personality in a way. But then he says something even deeper. He says, what's the definition of a parent, of a father? A father is someone who contributes to the genetic DNA of his offspring. Kiviyachal says the chesed Abraham. The nature of the soul of a Yehudi is different than the Nishmas Akam. Nishmas Adam, a regular Adam, his Nishama is from heaven. Nishmas Yisrael is Ne'etzal Mamish Mitachas Kisei Akavai. It's from Oilam Ha'atzilas. It's from a much higher realm. We're Kiviyachal, a Chilek of Hashem. When we say we're banin la makayim, it means we're literally, we have the spiritual DNA of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now the Lashon of Chazal is so beautiful. The Yavanim abolished Chodesh, they abolished Mila, they abolished Shabbos, because they wanted us to feel, Eilachem chelek belekei Yisrael. What are you talking about? You have the, the, you have the DNA of God? You're a chelek elekam imal? But we were able to bring back these three mitzvahs. Which three? Chaydesh, Mila, and Shabbos. What did that demonstrate? Now the Yavanim, listen carefully, wanted us to ride on the horn of an ox. Who's compared to an ox? Yosef, Bechar Shairai. 
He's the first one who instituted for the Jewish people Chodesh, Mila, and Shabbos. The Yavanim said, nonsense. Get rid of that. Write it on the horn of an ox. We're abolishing these mitzvahs and we're trying to uproot the influence of the ox, Yosef. Now, why did Yosef want to institute these three mitzvahs in Mitzrayim? Listen carefully to this chidah. We're supposed to be in Egypt 430 years. Does anybody know? How long did we actually do service in Mitzrayim? I know you're going to say, well, 430 from the Brisbane Abbasarim, 400 from the birth of Yitzchak, 210 in Mitzrayim, 86 years. The 86 years was, was the intense labor. Labor. That's one-fifth of 430. Yeah? Why do we get out so early? Uh, because it was intense. Who cares if it was intense? If you have a slave and he's supposed to do X amount of years, he got to do the time. A little more intense, a little less intense. Why did we get out early? Because we're the beloved children of Hashem, so Hashem had Rachmanus on us. Who decided? Who established? Who established that relationship? Yosef! He said, Yidin in Mitzrayim, Chodesh, Mila, Shabbos. Why? So you get out early. I want you to get out early. If you observe these mitzvahs, you establish this relationship, you get out early. So Klai Yisrael says, Hashem's going to get us, listen carefully from here, Hashem's going to get us from here, but did you know, is God a Kayin, a Levi, or a Yisrael? He's a Kayin. God's a Kayin. The Gemara asks, so what, what mikvah does he go to? <laughs> so the, the Gemara says, he maybe he's Toivon and mikvah shalesh. How could God into, go into Mitzrayim and rescue us? He's a Kayin. He can't become Tameh. You know how he could rescue us? Because we're his children. And a Kayin could be Matameh to his children. Yosef said, listen, I'm going to set you up for your release. I need to establish this relationship to, that you're the children of Hashem so God could be Matameh to you. So that God could rescue you early. Chaydesh, Mila, Shabbos. The Yavanim said, ride on the horn of an ox. The ox is Yosef. You're not the children of Hashem. So through the miracle of Hanukkah, when Hashem reinstated Chodesh, Mila, and Shabbos, the Achar came, Ba'u, Banecha! Your children came back into the Hechal. Because when Hashem restored these three mitzvahs, we rehabilitated this relationship we have with Hashem. That's why the Bnei Sascha writes, the emphasis in the Alanisim on our relationship with Hashem as Bonin. Now, you ready for this? Tell me if you're ready. Yeah, you sure? Okay. Comes the Chida, and the Chida says, Really? Hanukkah should be nine days because of Sveik of the Yerma. But the whole purpose of Hanukkah is to commemorate the great relationship we rehabilitated with Hashem that were His children. Through which, which mitzvahs? Chodesh, Mila, and Shabbos. Now in Hanukkah, you always have a Shabbos because Hanukkah is at least seven days. You always have Rosh Chodesh. But how are you going to be Meramed to the mitzvah of Mila? Therefore, Chazal specifically instituted eight days so that all three mitzvahs should be alluded to on Hanukkah, Chodesh, Mila, and Shabbos. It should have been nine days. The reason it's eight days is to be Meramed to Chodesh, Mila, and Shabbos. Now I'm going to tell you a personal story. I'm very connected to the Chida. 
very connected. I, after the Holocaust, my grandfather was the head of the religious department of the Joint Distribution Committee. The first sefer he published for the survivors was a chida, Chaim Yosef David Azulai. When I go to Eretz Yisrael, he summons me. I'm talking about the chida. Things happen that I have to end up by his kever. For example, one time I went, Trump came the same day, all the roads to Yerushalayim were closed. I couldn't have a mincha. I needed a minion for mincha. The only place you could go, Har Where am I going to get a, min- a minion for mincha? They said, go to the Chidah's kever. See? He brought Trump to Eretz Yisrael just so I should be able to go to his kever. There's a, um, my friend, Israel Mizrahi, he deals in um, Judaica. So yes, you know, Rabbi Gazel, you know, what would you like? So I just said, what would I like? I want the Chidah's signature. I want the Chidah's signature. Now that's, basically I was saying, you know, I'm not a collector because that's a, that's a pretty pricey item. It's a rare item. And over the years, I've seen different, uh, the, the Chidah has a very special signature. He signs his name in the shape of a boat. Why? We quoted Rabbi Avram Azulai before. Rabbi Avram Azulai was the great, great grandfather of the Chidah. He had a miracle that he was saved on a boat where they had to get off a boat, swim to shore, and then the boat went on fire. In any event, to commemorate that, Rabbi Avram Azulai signed his name as a boat. The Chidah preserved that signature in the way he signed. So, I've seen different signatures of the Chidah over the years, and, I, and then I figured, look, if I'm ever going to get it, it better be the full boat, you know? And then um, Yisrael Mizrahi, um, he, he, he said, I think I have one. So he sent me a picture. I said, that's it. And actually, actually, there were two signatures on it. One was the boat, and this was the Chidah's personal copy of a Sefer. Now, uh, the name of the Sefer is a Rishayin, the Archais Chayim. So the Chida's name is Yosef Chayim David. He wrote Yosef, he used the Chayim of the title, he wrote David, Azulai. And to top it off, there are notes from the Chida in the book. And he showed it to me, I was, this, is, this is outrageous, this is unbelievable. He said, do you want it? I said, I want it, but uh, you know, I can't. And a very dear friend, I don't know if he wants me to say his name, he found out that I wanted it, and he made it possible. And unbelievably, I think Hashem sent me, maybe in the chus of my grandfather, the Sefer the Chida owned, signed by the Chida twice, with footnotes in it. That's the first part of the story. The second part of the story happened Shabbos, this Shabbos morning. I was preparing a shear. My family was sleeping, sleeping until I had the following einfall, and I woke everybody up. I was saying, who's the chidah quoting that the reason Hanukkah is eight days is in order to be meramez to chaydesh, mila, and Shabbos. It should have been nine. Why is it eight? A remez to mila. The chidah quotes the archais chayim of Rabbi Aaron of Lunial. Thinking, that's the safer I have. I own the Sefer, the Chidah, used to write this Chidosh. And I didn't even know. I was preparing the Shir, and that week, Hashem sent me that Sefer, the Chidah himself, used for this Shir that we're learning. And there's the first time I'm saying this on tape. You hear this? What? Halavai. Yeah, so this is really an amazing uh, Chidosh of the Chidah that I, that I, uh, I have 
the actual volume, the Chida, Reb Chaim, Yosef, David Azulai. I didn't bring it. I should have, maybe I should have brought it. Yeah, it's in beautiful condition. It's in beautiful condition. Okay, so now coming back to Chanukah, we understand Rabbi Meir's worldview. Rabbi Meir's shita is that no matter what, no matter how we act, no matter what we do in this world, we're always the beloved children of Hashem. What Yom Tov demonstrates that to us? Chanukah. It is no wonder then why Rabbi Meir throughout his life, he's always invoking the Yom Tov of Chanukah. Elaka de Meir Anemi. Because Chanukah demonstrates to the Jewish people that we're always the beloved children of Hashem. And this was the whole world view of Rav Meir. This was Rav Meir's great shita. So no matter what situation in life, Rav Meir says to the Jewish people, always invoke the special relationship you rehabilitated with Hashem through the Yom Tif of Chanukah. That's the emphasis on the mitzvahs, Chodesh, Mila, and Shabbos. You know another reason we passed like Rav Meir? Who agrees to Rav Meir? Rabbi Akiva. Because Rabbi Kiva says, from tzedakah, we see that we're the beloved children of Hashem. Therefore, Chanukah is gematria, soid tzedakah, the secret of charity. It's the secret of charity. The backbone of tzedakah is the great lesson that we learn from Chanukah. I want to end off by sharing with you a fabulous chedosh. We always talk about that Hashem's love for the Jewish people is immutable, no matter what we do. And Rav Schwab writes, you know, this is something the Jewish people always have a hard time with. When they came to Moshe Rabbeinu, and Moshe Rabbeinu says, God, when they ask me what your name is, what should I tell them? So God says, tell them, Ekya Asher Ekya, I will be that I will be. What's Moshe asking? What's your name? What's Hashem saying? Tell them, I will be that I will be. Says Rav Shimon Schwab, the Jewish people are going to come to Moshe, and Moshe is going to say, you know, God wants to redeem you. So the Jewish people are going to have one question, really? Who's God? So I'm going to tell them, oh, you know, the God of Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, the God who loved them. So the Jewish people are going to say, that's great, he loved them, but he doesn't love us. If he loved us, why are we wallowing for 210 years in Mitzrayim? So Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, you, you need to tell the Jewish people, they should not make the mistake and think that just because they're suffering, that means I don't love them as much, my relationship is not as strong with them, I'm not as committed to them. No, I will be what I will be. Whatever love I had to Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov is not in any way diminished toward them. Right now it's the time of Hester Panim. But in no way is my overwhelming, eternal, immutable Ahava any less to them as it was to, to Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov. But then Rav Schwab says something out of this world. You ready for this? In Nusach Ashkenaz we say, Ahava, Rabba, Ahavta. If you stop a thousand people on the street and ask them, what, are the word, what does the word Rabba mean? They would say, with a great love, you loved us. Most people would translate the word Rabba as great. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. Says Rav Schwab, the word Rabbah does not mean great. Rabbah means increasing, growing. Rabbah, it's expanding. Says Rav Schwab, yes, God's love for the Jewish people, it's immutable, but it changes. You know how it changes? It gets bigger. It intensifies. And now I'm going to tell you something out of this world. 
You know, if somebody were to ask, who did Hashem love more? Our generation? Our parents? Our grandparents? Our great-grandparents? Most people would say, oh, we're, we're nothing compared to earlier generations. And it's true. You read that Hadoros. Rabbi Rucham would say, we don't even, we can't even imagine the greatness of our grandmothers. However, says Rabbi Schwab, even though that's true, but the love HaKadosh Baruch Hu has for Klal Yisrael expands, grows. And as much as He loved them, He loves us even more. And if the Mashiach didn't come then, but He loves us even more than He loved them. And it's going to come for us. Ahava Rabba Ahavtanu. The Yom Tif of Hanukkah commemorates the love Hashem had for Klal Yisrael. But don't make a, mis- make, a, make a mistake and say, well, I did it last Hanukkah. No, 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 no. Last Hanukkah was commemorating Hashem's love for us that was this much. This Hanukkah commemorates Hashem's love that's even greater. And that's the Hashem. We should see it. The Nikola with the ultimate Geula of Yisrael. The Meher of Amen.